Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long I've been talking to some real powerhouses in the leadership realm, helping us understand not only the changing face of leadership as the world starts to churn and burn again, but how we can be more aware of what we can do, what we can control to help us be better leaders through things that are probably going to test us in ways we didn't think even possible, even moving out of pandemic and back into work as quote unquote normal. And my guest today is going to talk about not only his business from um, some different tools that he may have to help you also run your businesses better, but also give us some tips to help us along the way. So I'm going to try and give his name credit here. And he thankfully gave it to me phonetically. So let's hope I don't screw it up. Yerin Kartout is a co-founder and CEO of Salesflare, which is an intelligent CRM built for small businesses selling B2B, most popular with agencies and SaaS companies. And as we know, CRMs are a really vital part of all of our businesses. What's interesting is that now that I'm followed by so many entrepreneurs and I ask them the question, what CRM are you using and how is it helping your business? And I'm surprised by the number who still aren't using CRMs either at all or highly effectively. So I can't wait to learn a little bit more about how this tool may help us. But Salesflare itself was founded when Yarun and his co-founder, Levin, wanted to manage the leads for their own software company in an easier way. And any of you who've ever used CRMs know that some can be very, very easy to use and lovely in terms of user friendliness and others can make you want to throw your computer on the floor. <laughs> and they didn't like to keep track of them manually. Uh, so they said, hey, let's just build what we need. And they built Salesflare, which pulls customer data together automatically hmm, instead of having to hunt and peck for what you need. It's now the most popular CRM and product hunt and top rated on review platforms like G2 for its ease of use and automation features. So Yaren, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, you know, before we dive into your, your, uh, your background, and a little bit more about your business, I had the, I'm going to call it the honor just because it's the only way to use a positive word for this. Many years ago, I helped in a company that I was a VP of sales for. We had like 17 or 18 different companies that were all using different CRMs and we pulled them together to use one. And we built it and it was so challenging. But what was really interesting is that even people who are using really, the largest group was using this really clunky, really time invasive CRM. And even though it made their lives miserable, trying to get them to move to something that was easier was such a challenge because once you've at least known something, you know how to, to deal with it. Trying to learn mm -hmm. something new can be challenging for people, even when it may make their lives easier. So I can't wait to learn. So I hit some of your highlights, but tell us a little bit more about you and your company and how you help your clients to shock their potential. Yeah. So basically we started our company after using 
different CRMs. I personally worked at a consultancy for a while that would basically use Salesforce a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd deploy that at customers, we'd use it internally. It was my very first CRM, so I took it very seriously and I really tried to use it fully, um, using it to log my to-dos and to get notifications about those and uh, put every single thing in there. But I very quickly learned that this is uh, not easy. It uh, mm-hmm. takes a lot of work and it's fully dependent on me. And that's also what we found then later on. We had a software company. We had just come back from a big conference and we had a lot of leads. So we had like 130 people that wanted to, they were interested at least to, to hear more about our software and maybe buy it. And we had to follow these people up and we knew that we had, we need a good system because when we try to do it, you know, like that, it's just impossible. Like if you go anywhere over 20 leads or so, you cannot just do it based on your brains. So you need a good system, a system that knows when to follow up, uh, what you last discussed and all those kind of things. The thing is, we tried different things. We knew that Salesforce wasn't entirely helpful. We tried other stuff that seemed better. But in the end, what we always noticed is that uh, the system failed, not because it wasn't like beautiful software or something. Uh, Some of them definitely were, but it was because we didn't manage to keep up with the expectations that came with the software. So the software expected us to be these uh, almost perfect data input robots. Like every single thing we would do, uh, we would put in the CRM. Like you um, send an email to someone, put in the CRM. They send something back, copy someone in. You're like, oh, there's a new person. I could put that person in the CRM. Maybe they have an email signature. You're like, oh my God, take the email signature, put it in the CRM. You call them, you some exciting call at the end. You're like, oh, but first let's put it in the CRM. You know, it's, it, it's not really human uh, to do this kind of stuff. It's very hard. We're not computers. And what we figured then is actually that a lot of these things, a lot of that information actually is already digital. Mm-hmm. So if we make a system that plugs into every single place where the data already resides, then we can just pull it together. And if the system pulls it together, offers it to you as a salesperson, you can still curate it. And you can use it to do way better follow-up. It's a system that is way less likely to fail because it doesn't depend on your discipline to fill it out. Mm, so that's the, the idea we started with seven years ago. It, uh, it of course, sounded easy uh, to make and stuff. Uh, it took us a while. But by now, uh, we have a system. It works. We've also gone through all the, the hoops and the work to make it very easy as well. Because our end goal is not just that uh, it, it automates stuff. Our end goal is that it's a CRM that you actually use. So that doesn't just mean automating the data inputs. It means making it very easy to use it. Uh, that means easy to understand first. It means not needing a lot of clicks. It means things like the software almost disappearing in the background. So like you, you should be able to spend a lot of time with your customers and yeah. very little with the software. So. Those are sort of the two things we really focus on. Um, it's automating a lot of things away and it's making that very easy. And like you said, we are top rated for that on platforms like G2 and stuff. And uh, we have now over 2000 companies using the software. Fantastic. As I was listening to you and knowing that my podcast manager is going to listen to this episode before we put it up, she will be laughing 
because she started out as my administrative assistant. And when we first then launched, you know, a CRM for us to use, I just said, I have this email folder where I've kept any email of any contact (laughs) that I want in the CRM. (laughs) And I just spent a day forwarding them all to her so she could input them. And she probably hated me at the end of however long it took, because it took us a long time to go through all that. And I remember just thinking, gosh, you know, yes, it'd be so great if as, as, as I got them, I put them in, but it was just so time consuming, even to take a minute, it seemed to input all that data when you're like, you know, your to-do list as, especially as an entrepreneur is already 10 miles long and, and, uh, Anything that makes that job easier would definitely be appealing to, to me as well as my yeah. core team. <laughs> well, it's, it's good that you took the time already. It's very important that you get your CRM uh, up to date and that you have everything in there because it's, it's really, if you, if you keep it well, uh, it can be gold. The thing is, most companies don't succeed uh, in that Partly because the software just doesn't uh, doesn't lend itself to it. It comes with all these expectations. Now there's other aspects to it as well, of course, uh, but that's that's the part we focus on. It's a part that has been ignored for a lot of time. Like when I did customer interviews in the very beginning, I would talk to companies and I would say like, okay, so how do you organize your sales? What sort of software do you use? What's going wrong? And people would always tell me like, no, the software is good enough. It's the salespeople. They're really, really lazy. If they would just fill it out, it would all be solved. Um, (laughs) And that always struck me as a very naive sort of statement because you cannot just force people into, into filling something out and then you know, expect the world to just bend like that. Um, right. You you need to adapt your software as well to be easier. And a lot of enterprise software, especially, is not is not up to that level. Does not is not really built for humans. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something we're trying to change. Well, and I can guarantee you, we're not using ours as effectively as we should or could or or need to be either. And it's something that's been on the back of my mind for quite some time. So this is a really interesting. Um, dialogue, because you're absolutely right. It's it's really easy to blame the salespeople for it, and uh, it's and yet you know we're not asking the salespeople what what's in your way of doing that. You know why is it not you know is it not working? Is it not do you not find a benefit to it? Do you not know how to do it? Um, do you feel like you don't have time? And those are really interesting dialogues. In fact, I, I, I see this a lot where one department sees the other one as causing the, the, the major you know, problem for them. And you know, I always like to remind people, you know, nobody in the sales department ever got up and said, you know what, today is my day to screw over the accounting department. <laughs> you know, today I'm gonna make marketing miserable. That's my goal. Uh, you know, we all are trying to do the best we can, but sometimes the tools we're trying to use do not help us achieve those ends. Yeah, it's the tools, it's the processes, it's what's in it for us, it's how complicated it is, and how, and you know, all these kind of things together. Whether we, whether we understand how something works, uh, when you put all these things together, that will actually define success. Mm-hmm. Um, forcing people is a is an easy uh, solution. So do you have any, you know, like a great um, success story that just is at the top of your head of a, you know, a company that said, hey, before we were using you, you know, we were facing all these problems and now we can't believe how efficiently we run or how much better we communicate or, you know, what, what kind of outcomes are people seeing? 
Yeah, the first outcome, I mean, there's, there's many outcomes if you use a CRM correctly. Uh, but the first very basic uh, outcome is uh, following, up, following up with your customers well in an informed way. One of our customers last year told me they, there are three salespeople working in the software and they were doing a million more in sales per year, he said. And then uh, a few months later, actually, um, the, the pandemic uh, happened and uh, really like total beginning of the lockdown, uh, the guys contact me and they're like, can you close our accounts because we need to save costs? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it costs you like $105 per month. You're mm-hmm. saving a million and you're asking yes. me now to stop this. Do you think that's worth it? But they're still with us right now. So Good, good. Yeah, it is true. You know, it was interesting. Um, definitely at the beginning of the pandemic, actually, and it wasn't even so much that I was saving costs at the moment, but I, because I wasn't traveling, I had the opportunity to sit down and evaluate some of the tools that we were using. And there mm-hmm. were a couple that we, not CRM related, but just some other software that really we were not using, we didn't need, or we had another solution that, that served that need better. And so I probably closed down maybe six different accounts. And in each case, each account said, well, if we, you know, give it to you free for a couple months, if we cut it in half or whatever. And I remember thinking, this is really interesting because everybody was going to give me a much, much lower price. I know it's because they needed to retain clients, but I said, you didn't even ask me why I'm closing because I'm not closing to save costs and I'm not closing because this is not, because this is expensive. I'm closing because your tool isn't working for me. And not one of them came back to me and said, well, how can we make the tool better for you? Or how can we help you with it? It was really, you know, their salespeople were just like, okay, hold on to as many people as you can, you know, give them whatever discount you can and keep them instead of saying, well, you know, to your point, okay, let's just sit, let's sit back and talk about this. If you are, you are having a million dollar benefit to this product and it's Mm -hmm. costing you a hundred dollars a month, what's, you know, where, what are you trying to achieve? And, you know, any logical person will say, well, gosh, why would I, why would I, why wouldn't I spend a thousand to make a million? I mean, come on. And those are the mm-hmm. better questions to ask when you really have a product that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, f- from our perspective, by the way, we, uh, every time somebody says, please close our trial or close our account or whatever, we will try to uh, find out what was going wrong, what we could have done better and all this kind of stuff it's very hard for us to get that information. So in the other direction, not a lot of people might ask you, but then when you ask, you know, you, you don't get a whole lot back. A lot of people are very short about it. They're like, yeah, yeah, I just, you know, we're not using it. Like, but why are you not using it? Like, is uh, are you not doing sales actively right now? Mm-hmm. Is it uh, that you don't have the needs to systematize it is it because our system didn't work the way you expect it to work what how would it work better for you then i mean it's kind of stuff um very hard to get answers it is and i think it's really uh, you know about how the questions are asked because as you were talking about that i was thinking about how many just sent me you know like as i'm canceling it online you know had the pop-up that said you know if you'll save this much, or if we do this, will you stay? And I'm like, no. And then I just keep hitting no, no, no to all the questions. Yeah. But I had one, I had one that actually was a really unique product. And we were actually on a trial. We were on a two week trial or something. Mm-hmm. And it's a great product. And I intend to actually use it. 
But when we were going through the trial, it was not the time for it because it's a really time intensive. I would have to have one person dedicated to it. I know it will mean a great deal of business. And I've actually been planning on starting that in again this fall. But it was probably the first company where an individual sent me a follow-up email, not just the blanket, you know, pushed out and said, you know, hi, I'm Sally and whatever. And I actually checked to see, you know, it was the real person. And she said, you know, if you're willing, I would love to get some feedback. And in that case, you know, I said, sure, let me just tell you, this is an amazing product. It's a great product. The, the, the value for it is fine for me. We don't have the time to focus on really maximizing this. But if you contact me again in the future, and by this date, I'll tell you that we will probably be ready to go. And uh, she actually then contacted me again that date. And I said, we're still not ready. So contact me again on this date. So, you know, not that I'm testing them, but I was, that was really to me, you know, an incredible value to say, you actually do care about me as an individual customer for your product. And that's, that's something really unique these days too, because we all have so much going on and we don't have great systems for follow-up. And so therefore you get lost in the shuffle and then you don't feel valued anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's where software partly can help. Uh, you can make every customer feel like they are sort of uniquely valued. They are like, you are not just the number and that they're dealing with like number 21. Yeah. No, no, next, number <laughs> exactly. 22. Uh, exactly. As a customer, you want to feel like you, you actually have this relationship with a, with a company or with people at the company yes. uh, that you can make a huge difference there. It's, it's one of the ways we, for instance, try to compete with, all the huge CRM companies out there. Um, because if you go look on G2, um, there's 650 plus right now. There's some really big players there. Um, so you need to differentiate, do better uh, if you want to if you want to grow well. So one of the things Excellent. we do is building this kind of close relationships. And that's a great opportunity when you are small enough to do still have that personal touch. So Erin, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Imagine starting a long journey without a map or even a clear idea of the obstacles ahead. That's exactly what it's like for entrepreneurs who start companies with a lot of passion, but without the financial expertise to grow and scale their businesses and create long-term wealth for their families. Find a financial advisor who can help you map a better journey. Wayne Titus shows you how in his book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being. With the right advisor at your side, you'll have the freedom to focus on what really matters to you. Get The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being at Amazon.com and in the virtual bookstore on the Shock Your Potential app. And we are back with Yurin Kurtout, and we are talking about Sales Flare, his company that he co-founded. And then I'm not sure if in the beginning I got the name of your co-founder correct. I think I pronounced it uh, Levon. You but, said uh, Levon, I was correct. Levon. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Accidentally got one right. But you know, all month long, we're talking about how we can all be better leaders, which I think is a great topic to go along with your product, because this actually is something that can help improve communication, improve outcomes and effectiveness, which helps a leader be better. But you may have some other tips for helping people make sure that they are being the best leader they can be, especially during changing and challenging times. So what are some of your thoughts on the subject? Well, I think communication is definitely key. 
you can do this obviously through a system uh, that can take a lot of very how can I say operational tactical communication away when you when you can, don't have to ask uh, your colleague it's just in the system done uh, then you can focus on actually valuable communication but then when you do that some of the things we really try to achieve and that it almost goes to the to the cultural level is to uh, achieve this level of radical candor that's a, a book I don't, I don't know whether you heard about it mm-hmm. uh, I forgot the name of the author for a moment, but uh, we build a team where we value open communication very much. So we try to build strong relationships that make that we trust each other. And when we trust each other, we can go a bit further into what we can communicate because very often relationships are sort of in the way you're afraid of saying this and that because you don't really trust each other. When you get that out of the way, then you can actually make sure that you bring up everything that's going wrong. And Mm -hmm. one way that is particularly effective there after the trust building, you know, the general team building and we're friends and all that (laughs) is uh, (laughs) when people say something uh, to you as a leader to do something with it. And that's, it's a hard thing. Uh, it requires energy. But when people speak up, then either, first of all, you, you, you accept the feedback. Then you can, if it's not feedback you can do anything with, then you just, you just uh, thank and explain that things are actually that way, uh, not this way. But when it's something you can do something with, that you not only uh, accept it, but also somewhere integrated into stuff you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And that by itself is already difficult, but if you want to turn that a bit more into processes, some of the things we do, for instance, one-on-one meetings is a very obvious one. I mean, you sit right. together with everybody one-on-one to discuss what might be going wrong. We do also do this on a team level, mm-hmm. on a bi-weekly basis, where we go through the, the things that are not going well and the things that are going well. And then for the things that are not going well, we find solutions and the things that are going well, we learn from. That makes that in a, in a very open way on team level, we already create this kind of discussion where people can bring things up and we can resolve together. Uh, so it makes it very open. Then um, on other levels, we have like um, product level, or on a growth level or so. We have lists of stuff we're going to do. And when people give feedback, you can put them in there and you Mm -hmm. need systems to prioritize and you define priorities together. If you do all this kind of stuff, then you actually put all the minds together, Mm -hmm. uh, which makes it, you unlock everyone's potential in the team. It's not just the leader saying, I think we should do this, you know? Everybody uh, uses their brains and you can get to way better results. Yes, Um, and that's something in the pandemic that we also had like in the beginning we had to shift some stuff because in the past we were organizing our communication in a less in a less systematic way we (laughs) sort of relied on being in the same room um, and we thought that was a good thing because then you know we'd be together and something would be mentioned and then the other person would also hear it and sort of like that's in a in a in a bit of a chaotic way, everybody would be up to date. 
in the first few months of the pandemic, we had to uh, rethink a whole lot of these things. Part of that mm. would happen in these bi-weekly team meetings. We would say like, the way we do meetings, it doesn't work anymore. Uh, we don't know what's going on, this kind of stuff. I actually have a blog post about this. If you, if you type something like uh, remote team Salesflare, you'll probably find mm -hmm. it. It's a post about all the little things we change to make sure that that uh, communication flows more systematically through the company. A very simple tip uh, from that that I can share um, is at the end of each meeting we have, we try to limit meetings to not have too many people involved because it just doesn't make sense. We noticed that if you have a meeting with five people, then uh, two of them are zoning out at least, if not three. <laughs> so we limit to three people. Oh. Yeah, you cannot have a discussion with five people that just, you know, there's always of the five, two or three that are talking and the other two are just watching or listening. Yeah. So we have small meetings, but then to make sure that everybody always knows what's going on, we make meeting notes, but they, those tend to become very long. Like we, we write down what we uh, discussed, what we agreed on, what we decided not to do, uh, mm -hmm. sort of bullet point style. But then at the end of each meeting, we take a moment five to 10 minutes and we ask, ask ourselves, what do the others who were not in a meeting, what should they know about this meeting? And then it becomes like, imagine uh, five bullet points or something. Mm -hmm. And that summary goes in Slack, which is the system we use to communicate. Like some, some people use Microsoft Teams, uh, we use right. Slack. And um, it has a link to the full document always like where you can find everything about the meeting, but then the, the, the main points that everyone should know are there. And that way, everybody's always up to date about every single decision that happens in the company. That's very good. I like it on so many levels. And especially, you know, the idea of making meetings smaller, making, making them shorter and more productive. But also, as you talked about, you know, understanding communication as a change. And one of the things that I'm predicting as we move into later 2021 and, and beyond is that because of the, you know, so many shifts to remote work and many people are going back to work, but there's going to be a lot of hybrid environments. And my, my prediction is that for leaders who were already challenged during a remote work environment, you know, not even considering the ones that were challenged as leaders before when it was face-to-face, -face, but those that were really challenged by remote are going to have a really challenging time if they don't start recognizing this and working on it now that dealing with hybrid teams is really going to be a critical juncture because of how people are going to feel left out. Are they going to feel alienated? Are they going to find ways to be pulled in? How do you bring in new hires in, in a hybrid environment? So there's so many different challenges. And I think that you, you really, um, you know, help us to remember that communication and always taking a look at what we're doing and evaluating it and asking ourselves and the teams, is this working? And if not, what do we need to fix? And if so, what do we need to continue? Those things will help us to continue to, uh, to do the best we can in an ever-changing environment. No, I definitely agree. I'm personally a bit afraid of the hybrid environment. Mm -hmm. uh, we have been uh, fully remote now for a year and two months. And last team meeting, actually, we discussed how the team looks at going back to the office. It's not legal here yet uh, to go back mm -hmm. to the office. You can like, what are some stuff? Uh, I'm not going to go into details there, <laughs> but we right. decided to only go to the office when uh, we can go back with the whole team. Oh, but good. still we'll have to work in a hybrid way people are used to the remote thing now and mm -hmm. 
we might define some days that we go to the office and others that we don't and stuff, but it, it becomes a sort of double routine. We're also, if some people are in the office and some people are not in the office, <laughs> a lot of these things become very complex. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I think it's worth a lot more discussion for all of us because it, it is definitely going to impact, like I said, those leaders that were already maybe struggling in one or two areas before, it's really going to struggle. And unfortunately, that's when you have leadership struggle, that's when you lose good people. So I'm on yeah. kind of a one woman mission to, uh, to raise our awareness of it and change it. That's good. Well, I love what you're, what you do in your product. I know we'll have all of your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, what's the best way for them to find out about you and to find about Salesflare? Uh, Salesflare is just uh, salesflare.com and Flare is F-L-A-R-E. Uh, you can read about the software there. There's the blog where I mentioned about uh, the blog post as well and other uh, helpful stuff about sales mostly. Uh, you can try the software for anywhere between seven and 30 days. You get more days on the trial as you set it up. We've seen that people mm -hmm. who set it up better are more successful. Yes. And um, if you want to get in touch with me, you head to LinkedIn. Uh, there's only one person with my name, so you cannot miss. But please, when you hit connect, add a personal message uh, because I get a ton of LinkedIn spam every day. A bit less yeah. now that they're cracking down on it. Yes. Uh, but if you don't add a personal message, I will just assume it's spam. If you add one though, I will certainly connect with you and we can have a chat. Very good. Well, that just tells me I hit send on it right before we got on, which I always make sure I'm connected with people. So uh, look for mine or else find me so we can stay connected. I'll appreciate it. <laughs> and I agree. I'm glad they're, uh, they're uh, cracking down on that spam because I am tired of it. So before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? You cut out a white space, right? No. Uh, <laughs> oof. How about what would you tell anybody who is uh, listening right now and thinking, you know, I haven't used a CRM or I have one, but I, I'm not really using it to its full potential. What would make, what do you think would make them say, I'm going to, I'm going to flip over there. I'm going to check out Salesflare and I'm going to really give it a great effort to see if this is the tool that will change my business. Yeah. I'll give a, a, a pearl um, when it comes to CRM and uh, picking the right one and making sure you're successful with it, which will uh, impact the success of your business to uh, a significant amount, uh, I would say. There's a few simple rules. One, uh, think about what kind of CRM you need. There's a ton of different types out there. Uh, they're all for different purposes. There's e-commerce CRMs to get repeat sales. There's real estate CRMs to... Uh, build relationships and sell houses. There's uh, B2B sales CRMs like ours that are built to follow up leads at companies. They're all built differently and some of them might be right for you, others are not. So don't just type CRM into Google and pick the first one. It probably won't be a good match. Um, secondly, uh, when you select one, involve your sales team. Um, mm. The main reason for that is, is the sales team is going to be the bottleneck, whether it's being used or not being used and whether you get any value from it or not. Uh, you picking one uh, for them and then telling them to use it is probably <laughs> not the best idea. Uh, a much better idea is making a short list, asking them to try um, what, you, what you shortlisted or maybe they can bring a few more, whatever. Um, 
make them see what they actually want to use. Um, that way you are more likely to pick something they want to use. Plus uh, you have their buy-in. So your mm. chance of success is way, way higher. And then third, um, of course, train them well, but go, go beyond uh, just training for um, uh, what does this thing do? Uh, I mean, it's nice to know what a software can do. But a very important thing when you use a CRM is to also define how you are going to use it as a team, because mm -hmm. you can use the system in many ways. Uh, you can uh, interpret the stages in the pipeline in many ways. You can use fields in different ways. You can, you know, and um, you can create leads at different moments. Uh, if you define as a company together um, how you're going to use it, it's going to make your data so much better. So when you pull a segment or so, it actually makes sense. It's not because uh, Tom filled it out like that and John like that, and you know, it, it all, uh, it all, it's not usable. Uh, plus it's so much easier to collaborate as well, um, to pull good forecasts from your revenue and all that. So Absolutely. take that little amount of time, put guidelines down together in a little document. Um, and if you go through these three things, you are, uh, probably with the 1% who use their serum the best. So it will make you way more successful than other companies. I love it. Arun, thank you so much for your advice and your input. It has been a pleasure having you as a guest today. Yeah, thank you. This was fun for me as well. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.